This is The Wild Side. I'm Vince Wild. Welcome to the program. www.vincewild.com is the official website for all your Vince Wild fix, including the Wild Side newsletter, which is basically what that website goes to. I was actually on tech support with GoDaddy today and come to find out that they stopped giving away free email accounts. There's always a buck to be made, isn't there? This isn't good press, guys. It used to be part of the setup. You got what they called a free ticket so you could get your email account. And now i got to talk to these bozos via chat because I hate making phone calls and having to dial through 19 menu options only to get the wrong person. So I'm on chat, and I, you know, I'm, I'm like, hey, you know, uh, I can't figure out how to set up email because the whole website changed. Now they got these two dopey companies that want you to set up email for four ninety nine a year with them. And while that is not expensive, I didn't exactly jump up and down at the idea of uh, you know shelling out more out-of-pocket expense. The attraction for me to... I might have to go to Host Monster. But the attraction to GoDaddy for me was part of the package deal. And it's just like everything else. So let's just get rid of the package deals and just you know charge people needlessly for crap. Now, if I go to Host Monster and I set up you know web hosting... I'm gonna get, uh, you know, I'm gonna get set up with uh, an email account automatically, and but for some reason, GoDaddy, and maybe if I actually had GoDaddy host an actual website and I just didn't use it as a redirect, I might get something like that. But it didn't sound like from uh, tech support that uh, that was going to be something I was going to be able to do. So <clears throat> suffice it to say, uh, for the time being. Um, I don't have an active email. So if you, well, I do have an active email, but it doesn't, it's, it's like the hokey, I, I couldn't be asked to, you know, do it right. So I just set up a Gmail account because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. That's not the case at all. I've had professional email, private email before that wasn't on some hosted server by some massive company like Google. But now it's going to require more investment and more capital. Four ninety nine is not, not much capital, but all the same, going to have to do it. And uh, it just, I don't want to. Let's just say that. I, I don't want to. Um, I got a friend that uses Host Monster. She swears by it. They have, like, unlimited space. And uh, that really seems like a deal to me. Unlimited. How do they do that? I mean, what if somebody wants to host the entire collective documents of uh, the Pentagon? I mean, at some point, you have to say, all right, well, not unlimited space. I mean, okay. You can't just, you know have infinite terabytes of information. So anyway, um, I'm sticking with GoDaddy for right now, but only because um, it's, I mean, transferring all my information between one, from one company to another, and you know that something can go wrong, and some friggin' um, ransom company can end up with your, you know, your domain name. I don't know if you've ever seen these ransom companies, but, like, suppose you have a domain name. Like I did years ago, VinceWild.com was my original address. And if you remember, it changed to VinceWildShow.com, and then it went back to VinceWild. Well, one of these ransom companies bought the domain, and they wanted $1,500 from me from the rights to my own name. I'm sorry, but I call that freaking ransom. And guess who's not paying for it? Me. Not even, not even on a good day. 
In fact, that shouldn't that technically be I mean, shouldn't that be illegal somehow? I don't know. But in any, any event, <laughs> yeah, extortion. Max Evans in the chat room ch- chiming in with extortion. Yes, it's extortion. If you want the rights to your name, you're going to have to pay us. I don't know how, you know, the Internet is both the most free place in the world, and it's also a controlled experiment in anarchy. It's unbelievable. But you can go to, Vin- in either case, you can go to VinceWild.com, W-Y-L-D-E.com, and you can go ahead and... Um, you can uh, hook up with uh, everything that you're going to hear about on the show today. And uh, we're going to talk about a few things today. I'm uh, right now typing in uh, to get a master list generated here. Um, we're going to talk about music uh, because there's this, there's this thing. You know, American music is inherently lame. And, uh, you know, and when you look at, I don't know the name of the artist, uh, maybe Max knows this, all about the bass. And I don't even understand the attraction of that song. Oh, well, she's a normal-sized girl. But then every, all the, uh, you know, the, the girls that are like, you know, model thin are like, oh, so we have a problem with thin people now. It just goes back and forth, and it's ridiculous. What happened to the music? Not that that's music. That's technically not music, but it's not music in my opinion. So, American music, we've got American Idol, we've got uh, all these talent search shows, and I've always asked myself, what happened to the Led Zeppelins and the Pink Floyds? I mean, love them or hate them, they're bands that made a major impact. Beatles, uh, on the American music scene, and now we don't get those anymore. Those bands do not happen. If they come from America and they put out more than three albums... They end up um, on a foreign label, like Nuclear Blast America. I, I happen to, you know, compare this to heavy metal and hard rock. So <clears throat> the capital of uh, good heavy metal right now uh, seems to be bands from Finland, which I'm putting into uh, a, uh, a search engine right now because I forgot to do my show. <laughs> I show prep on time. But Finland seems to be like the place to be if you want to have a shot at a good metal show. Now, there's a few metal uh, shows that come out, big metal festivals that come to America. Oh, yeah, Wikipedia. So I'll get 9,000. <laughs> I'll get 9,000 uh, results with that. Let's start with... Um, this and then we'll go to this but uh you know we we have um no huge music festivals in america that are comparable to say like valken which is from germany looks like it's it's pronounced wacken w-a-c-k-e-n but it's valken and um that's like the ultimate heavy metal festival and everybody goes there there's even american bands alice cooper's appeared there where uh, there's there's an inherent disrespect for heavy metal in this country. Either it's old school people that think that heavy metal is and always has been the devil's music, and then there's the um, then there's the uh, the other side. There's the people that you know they they um, they think that if the person can actually sing melodically and sounds like they were professionally trained, that the band is lame. And that seems to be primarily an American viewpoint. Like, there seems to be a, a huge 
disrespect for uh, metal in general. But anyway, um, there's a few bands of note. Corpacolani, who have been named uh, a band that's even too Finnish for Finland. <laughs> now, this is a category called folk metal, which a lot of people uh, may have never heard of folk metal. But the idea is you put together a band and you've got your, your, your metal components, your, your two guitars, your bass player, maybe a keyboardist, a drummer, and a singer. But then you add folk instruments, and it can be anything from the, uh, the lute to uh, the mandolin to an accordion. Uh, there's a band called Ailstorm that they're folk metal, but they're also pirate metal. So they basically dress like pirates, and they do an all-pirate theme. And it really kicks ass if you throw on Pirates of the Caribbean, turn the sound down, and just watch that band plays. So um, I got a freaking here. Here's a pop-up window for you to take a survey you want nothing to do with. So I've got a couple lists up here. I've got, uh, I've got, of course, I mentioned Corpo Kalani. There's another band. I'm not positive where they're from, and forgive my ignorance on this. But there's so many bands uh, from so many different places and so many influences, um, and some of them I will not pronounce right, and I'm sorry in advance for doing this, but I'm, I'm going to make a comparison here. Now, of course, in America, we've got the likes of Megadeth, Metallica, Godsmack, Nickelback. If you, I don't even know what you would categorize, categorize Nickelback as hard rock. Um, Corn, Limp Bizkit, uh, which isn't really, you know, I guess isn't really, uh, I don't know. Are they relevant anymore? I don't even know. Maybe Max knows this. He's, he's sitting in there. But these are bands that uh, mainstream America puts out. And, you know, they've, they've withstood the test of time. They're still around. They've been around for more than five years. But you've got a lot of bands that come and go. And um, we seem to play the hell out of them. Now, if common sense would denote, if you're putting up, um, a, if you're building a radio station and you want a decent playlist, you would think, well, I'm going to put an, let's, let's put it this way. I'm going to put, I'm going to do an online radio station and I want there to be a good variety of metal and I want to cover most of metal. So you would want to look at a pretty decent library. You'd want to put out, uh, you know, something for everything. You'd want, you know, it, you'd assume that the average metal fan is, is going to be an average metal fan, not a radio programmed radio uh, metal fan that, you know, only likes what they play on the local rock station. And that's fine. But you're missing out on a whole bunch of musical culture that you just can't get exposed to in America. And our radio market is vastly different from bands or from uh, markets in other countries. Let me give you the top, uh, the top 10 Finnish metal bands. And we'll see if we can do a comparison here to anything in America. Number one on this list. I'm going to actually start with number 10 and work my way down. So I'm going to have to go and opposite and i will admit that i haven't heard of some of these bands so it'll be some uh research on all of our parts you know uh when the show is not on you can go check these things out there's always something on youtube no matter no matter how obscure and um if my browser will catch up with me we'll start with shape of despair which is described as a funeral doom metal band i don't i don't know if grandma wants shape of despair showing up to <laughs> to play during her eulogy. But um, fantastic instrumental interplay and dueling harsh, clean vocals from the two vocalists, Passy or Passai and Natalie 
I need my wife here because she she speaks brilliant Finnish. But um, basically, uh, like most funeral doom metal bands, Shape of Despair takes their sweet time. However, this band takes things interesting, uh, make keeps things interesting the whole time. So that's number one. There's uh, number nine is sorry. Number nine is Reverend Bazaar. The name says it all. Another uh, band from the doom uh, the doom scene. Swallow the sun. Another doom band. Number seven, if you haven't heard of this band, we need to talk. Like, we need to have a serious discussion. We need to sit down and hash out where your priorities lie musically. You can't call yourself a musician that loves all influences of music and only have a a focused genre in your collection. But I know that most people by this time have heard of Apocalyptica. And this is a great description. Who knew that cellos could be brutal? Well, Apocalyptica proved us all wrong. Starting out as a Metallica tribute band, the trio began to compose their own original material, which was as strong as the covers they performed. The band took a classical instrument and made it as heavy as it could possibly sound. And uh, they've had uh, Dave Lombardo, Corey Taylor, um, among others, and they've gotten a lot of airplay. Number six, we mentioned this band, Corpa Kalani, the ultimate folk metal party band. Corpa Kalani is the perfect band to toast a frosty beverage to. The band never takes themselves seriously, whether it's vocalist, I need my wife here, John, last name unpronounceable, ridiculous, deer antler microphone set up at live shows, or the use of an accordion in much of their sound. The band doesn't lyrically stray too far from the drinking and folk mythology, but Corpa Kalani has always entertained metal fans with their fast-paced, catchy, and infectious melodies. Look into Corpa Kalani. They're phenomenal. Uh, It's just something about incorporating folk instruments with, um, with, with uh, heavy metal. It just works. And it works well. Number five, another band that I'm very familiar with and have the entire discography for is Sonata Arctica. Now this goes down your uh, more Iron Maiden kind of road. Yet again, another power metal band on the top ten list. Finland seems to constantly churn out bands in the genre. Sonata Arctica doesn't do anything different from most power metal bands, but has kept releasing quality material, gaining the respect of fans of the genre. Some say they sound familiar to Stradivarius, and that may be true. They're also Finnish. But I've always considered Sonata Arctica to be on the same level of Stradivarius and not just mimicking their sound. Top album for them. I agree with this. Reckoning Night. Phenomenal, phenomenal album. Sentenced. This is a more kind of uh, gritty metal type of band. Sentenced uh, in their 15-plus career, Sentence provided metal fans with a satisfying number of quality albums, ranging from death to gothic metal. Um, guitarist Mika Tenkula was the driving force behind the band, with his guitar work and early vocal work standing out. Albums such as 1995's Amok and 96 Down dazzled listeners with a death metal sound that always had a hint of melody behind it. Sentence would disband in 2005, their 2006 album Buried Alive being the last thing they ever released. Very familiar with them as well. Number three. Again, we've mentioned this previously. Stradivarius. Ever since their formation in 1984, Stradivarius has become a popular band amongst power metal fans. In the early, day, early days, 
Vocalist guitarist Timo Tolki was the driving force. With his Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, and Megadeth influences shining through, the band started out as a darker entity but lightened up a bit over the years. However, the band has been able to maintain a loyal fan base with their devotion to melodic power metal. They didn't invent the genre, but they sure as hell perfected it. Recommended album Dream Space. I actually like... Um, Oh, now I can't think of the name of the doggone album. I'll have to look it up later and uh, reference it. Children of Bodom is one of my wife's favorite bands. They're number two on the list. Striding the fine line between death and power metal, Children of Bodom has always marched to the beat of their own drum, no matter the, no matter the negative opinions from diehard metal fans. The band specializes in quick bursts of metal with a strong keyboard presence. It also helps to have a guitarist as talented as Alexi Laiho in the band's ranks. His speedy and wild soloing is one of the defining traits of children to vote them. And the number one Finnish band, according to about entertainment is Nightwish. And I haven't heard all Finnish metal, but I think that it, they have to be within the top three, no matter what list you're on. And this is kind of where the, I think this band really segues the comparison, uh, you know, for um, American, uh, American music versus, you know, um, foreign music. Sorry, I'm clicking on something here. My computer runs a little bit on the slow side. Anyway, Nightwish, arguably the most successful band to come out of Finland. Nightwish rose to the top of symphonic power metal genre with their 1997 debut album, Angels Fall First. Vocalist Shatarya Tarunen has one of the best voices in metal and band... And the band supported her with a solid blend of heavy riffing and soothing melodies. The band has gone through changes over the years, but has always stuck to the roots and has a constant, a consistent discography to show for it. Putting Nightwish as the top choice may irk some people, but there's no denying the influence they have on metal. It says had. They're still together. In fact, they have a new album coming out this month. And so that is the top ten. I chose Finland because they, they've got to be close to being one of the most influential uh, metal bands to come, to, or sorry, one of the most influential countries when it comes to heavy metal as a genre. All right. So there are your top ten bands. Now, you, we've run down the gamut here of a variety. I mean, the first three bands were funeral doom metal, <laughs> which, again, can't imagine Grandma wanting that at her funeral. But... Then again, she's dead. Who cares? Um, so, what does America bring to the table? Well, we're going to go to Loudwire for our top ten list. And uh, hopefully this isn't a huge mistake. I just had to mute my mic. That's what the uh, space was for. <laughs> so let's let's take a look at this list. Now, America runs its music like a corporate machine. There isn't, a, there aren't a ton of, I guess you'd say, um, influential labels that are really backing up the uh, the genre. And this may not be the best list. Okay, yeah, this is this is probably a pretty good list. Yeah, this is typical. All right, we'll go ahead. We're going to go with this list. The first one, number 10, I don't understand uh, the listing. Um, it certainly 
not comparison to the other bands on this list. You'll see what I'm talking about. These are the top American bands. Now, the thing is, America has a reputation for when we do something and we put everything into it and we're not hampered by organizations or politicians, we kick some ass. Unfortunately, um, in the case of music, we've got organizations like the RIAA just bending music over the proverbial pool table, for lack of a better word. Um, We're talking about making money as quick as possible versus putting out a quality product that spans the annals of time. And we used to do that. I mean, you've got Beatles, you've got Elvis, you've got Pink Floyd, you've got Led Zeppelin, you've got Black Sabbath. Those bands seem to be gone. So we start with this top ten list, and some of these, uh, there's at least one band on here I've never heard of. And it's shocking that I've heard of any of them, because I tend to just avoid American music. When you bring somebody like Nightwish to the table, they're incorporating on most of their albums now a full symphonic orchestra. That is music, in, that is real music as a whole. It, it has nothing to do with, you know, uh, the singer or the band, but it's how much they're investing into their art and how serious they are about it. So here's the first one, Lamb of God. So of all the so-called new wave of American heavy metal bands that collectively threw headbangers, a lifeline to start the current millennium, arguably none have produced as much quality metal year in and year out, and thus endeared themselves to legions of fans as Lamb of God. So I'm not familiar with their music, nor am I familiar with death. Um, In case you missed the memo, I didn't write this, folks. Chuck, whose name I'm not going to attempt, was God, and in in his group, he fronted Death, were America's greatest death metal band, plain and simple. So we've already started off the list with two bands that are extreme and is only going to appeal to a specific audience and not even in a musically comparative way to the bands that I just listed. I mean, we're talking about a severe niche audience. Then we've got Slipknot, whose, uh, whose foreign counterpart would be, in my opinion, Lordy. If heavy metal is ultimately about powerful sounds venting powerful emotions, then the masked marauders and Slipknot really do live up to their considerable height, particularly on stage where the Iowa misfits can typically be counted on to leave both maggots and haters drained, wide-eyed, and dumbfounded in the face of their singular intensity. So it's got Slipknot. Anthrax. Now this is kind of an older band, and they're one of the, the, the last ones that made their mark. The first, but hardly the last, big four band to encroach upon our list, New York Thrash Titans Anthrax bear the distinction of taking the style to polar extremes of seriousness and humor before the 80s were through, and while also, oh yeah, anticipating the union of metal and rap um, by doing Bring the Noise and then their single, I'm the Man. Now you're getting into the stuff that I think is more corporate. A lot of people like these groups. But they kind of start, in my opinion, to blend into this mainstream sound that's safe because it sells. And this is where I think the art starts getting lost. And it's just about putting out a corporate machine. Tool. Everybody's heard of Tool. Some members of Tool might actually be chafed over being included in our list of 10 best American metal bands. But it was the metal community which embraced 
the eclectic outfit led by the eccentric Maynard James Keenan. No single music category can truly describe the group's complex sound, yet the massive impact that Tool have made on the metal scene is beyond undeniable. System of a Down is on this list. I'm not going to keep reading these. Megadeth, I would agree with Megadeth. Uh, if we were going to enter a uh, participant in a world competition, this would probably be one of the first bands that I mentioned. Dave Mustaine has done a lot with this band. He has uh, he's he's ridden the wave of thrash and hard rock and heavy metal, and he's a phenomenal guitarist. I'm not even going to read the description because mine's better. Pantera. See, this is this is a band that kind of I think. When, you com- when we're talking about the comparison between the other bands that I mentioned from Finland, they, they've, they kind of, I mean, obviously, rest in peace, Dime Bag Daryl. Pantera kind of, they were here and then they weren't kind of thing. I mean, they have some, they have some uh, really influential albums, but I don't want to call them a flash in a pan, but they almost were. I mean, everybody knows Pantera. But it's not like Megadeth, where there's like 17 albums you can buy by them. And I don't know if they got screwed by the industry or they just couldn't get along. I don't know Pantera's story very well. I just know that they were short stay. Slayer. See, now this is something that doesn't get airplay. This list is not compiled based on um, entirely on airplay ability, which kind of kills my argument. But when you're talking about bands like Nickelback and you're talking about, you know, bands similar to, to you know, to that nature, there's there's like a, when you turn on the radio, what do you hear? You hear ACDC over and over again. You hear and there's so much music out there. And this is really my point. There's so much music out there and there's so many bands that would love to tour the United States. Last two on the list, Slayer and Metallica. And nobody denies that Metallica was not a uh, an influence. But here's the thing. You, you, you've got this top ten list that this person has put together. Where's Judas Priest? Where's, where's um, Judas Priest is English, so obviously we know why Sabbath, Priest, and Maiden aren't on, on here because it's American releases. But where are the American counterparts? ACDC's Australian. You see the pattern here? The, the, the bands that, are, that are, are making their mark in this country and, and, and staying a long time, Pink Floyd, I believe they're British, the Beatles... Uh, Led Zeppelin, these aren't American bands. So it actually killed my argument, but in a way that's actually uh, really illustrating a bigger problem. We don't, we don't see American bands with huge stability, and we haven't in a while. It's almost like if it doesn't make quick money, if it doesn't make a quick buck, I mean, the bands on that list, you know, Slayer, I, they're, I mean, they're, they're big, but they're 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 not gonna make a lot of airplay. And this is really the kind of core of my argument here is the airplay situation. You know, you've got the the Doors, and uh, they were a great big American band. But again, you know, I mean, the Doors kind of were a short-lived band, and it had nothing to do with the record label. They'd have ridden that wave all the way into the 90s, probably. Maybe longer. I mean, a lot of their counterparts are still rocking. But Jim Morrison had issues. No, I take that back. Jim Morrison had a subscription. And that was kind of what ended the Doors' run, and they were enormously successful. But what other bands can you name? 
that aren't from another country. ACDC, Australia, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Great Britain, Iron Maiden, Great Britain, Judas Priest, Great Britain. It goes on and on and on. The most influential bands with the longest long stay are coming out of other countries. What is, what is wrong with American metal? American music in general, the only industry that I can say that has any kind of stability, real stability, is country. I mean, you look at some of the artists that have been putting out records and still are. You talk about, you know, Brooks and Dunn. You know, people are like, oh, they're old school. I haven't heard from them in ages. They're still putting out records, you know, and there's a lot of other artists that are as well. They don't just disappear. Johnny Cash was recording right up until his death. But beyond country, pop music, when's the last time you heard a Color Me Bad single? Of course, because it's generated. It's, it's, it's you know, it, it's factory. It's, it's like, oh, these, these are a bunch of pretty boys. They'll make us a whole lot of money, and they sound good together. Let's put out an album. Backstreet Boys, even Boys to Men. And Boys to Men were really talented, but when they outlived their stability, we cut them. No, no respect to the art whatsoever. And this is what I think is a huge American problem. You know, one of the most influential bands in, um, in, in uh, power metal or speed metal was Halloween. Again, not from this country. Where are, and there, here's the thing. There's a, a band from Florida called Camelot. They're, they've put out a lot of records. They've got a new singer now. They're not being pushed by the American market. They're being pushed by a foreign label. And this is where I think we're missing out. Our, I don't think the fans... Are so much to blame. We got to do something about over commercialized radio because over commercialized radio is the death of everything. How many more damn times do we have to hear Jeremy by Pearl Jam? It's been done to death, but every time you turn on 103.3, they're playing it again. Alice in Chains, they got new material, but what gets played the most? I am the man in the box, Rooster. The, uh, you know, it's like. Even modern rock radio tends to categorize itself in this classic rock mantra. Well, let's play the stuff we knew was popular. But while it's popular, we don't play it as much. And the thing is, is even Alice in Chains, as, as influential and as great as they are, was being used in a very factor, 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 factorized, is that a word, uh, situation. You know, it seems like the epic bands that stick with it for 20, 30, maybe even 40 years are not from this country. And it's not because the artist, look, when an artist in America puts together a band, he has big plans, or they have big plans. They want to do big things, but they get screwed by the record label. When they stop putting out music that just makes a ton of money, the record label cuts them. And then there's like the whole question of, well, you know, uh, they come back, you know, 10 years later, but they're now on Nuclear Blast, or, you know, they're on um, Cleopatra, or, you know, something along those lines. There's a band out of Finland called the 69 Eyes. Now, you would think, with the phenomenal success of Typo Negative, that the Typo fans would be all over the 69 Eyes. That would require airplay. Now, Typo gets airplay. Not, and not that much, by the way, but they get it. 69 Eyes, have you ever heard of 69 Have you ever even heard of 69 Eyes? They're great. Look them up. Go, uh, go to uh, YouTube and watch some of their videos. Yerky 69 is phenomenal. He's, he's, he's a great artist. He writes great lyrics. Um, sent my wife flowers when I was first trying to meet her. 
quoting 69 Eyes lyrics that happen to be partially in French. But do Typo fans even know who they are? No. no not, I would say not the majority. I would say there are some that do. And they're probably working overtime to get people into them before the thing is over and it gets, you know, like the band splits. I mean, the same band, here's another thing, that same band has been together in that arrangement since the 90s. You know, there's no like, oh, well, the drummer got replaced or the bass player left and they've got another bass player now. I can, I can think of one band, American mu- music scene, that is calling it quits this year. That has made a huge impact, and despite the record label's attempts to not do anything with them, just gave them a great big middle finger, and they have my respect at very least for that, and that's Motley Crue. Motley Crue came out during the early 80s. They were one of the hottest bands um, after 91, 92, when uh, the American metal scene took a big dump, and grunge was kind of the new kid on the block. Motley kept recording. They did something with uh, John Karabi. It didn't work out because they probably should have called it anything but Motley Crue. But, but they did an album. That album is awesome as well. And people, some people are just discovering it for the first time, even the ones that were into Motley Crue during that, that time. Now they're hearing Karabi. I'm like, how did I miss this? Motley Crue calling it quits. And so they don't do the Kiss thing, which is another American band that made a, made a great impact. But again, Kiss, oh, well... Um, you know, let's turn this into a, a multi-million dollar marketing strategy. So some people don't even respect them because they seem to be like at least 70% about, you know, how much merchandise can we sell? But Kiss is another American band. But when you compare them to the amounts of bands from other countries that make an impact, it's sad. And again, this is not an issue, I don't think. That is, is something that can be blamed on either the bands themselves nor the fans. The fans buy what they hear on the radio. The radio plays what the RIAA tells them to play in a configured playlist. They issue them every week that covers the whole week. I know this because I used to work, in, uh, I used to work at a music radio station. There is a playlist. They hand you a sheet. These are the songs to play during your shift. And then you can take requests at some point. But the fans are going to only request the songs they know they like that they've already heard. Wow. Does anybody else feel just dirty? Like maybe you need a shower? Now, I would love to get um, maybe Z from Spit Like This on the show to find out what the UK radio situation is like. If the UK radio situation is the same, I'd be shocked. Because those fans are not just going to OzFest or, or the equivalent to OzFest or May Day or any of those you know concert events. Valken isn't big because uh, the fans are going to a couple of small, smaller you know, festival shows during the year. It's big because there's a lot of bands coming out of, part, out of that part of the world that are just doing more than just let's play four chords and call it a day. I mean, symphonic orchestras, mixing it up with... Um, influences, throwing an industrial song in every once in a while. There's a number of things these bands do that we're not doing over here. It's just flavor of the minute over here, and it's getting worse now than it, than it was. And, and that t- I, I apologize for that loud wire list. I don't know who the hell came up with that, but American music lists, it's, they, they're horrendous. 
I don't know. I've seen a, 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 a bunch of these Rolling Stone put out where they start naming these off the top 10, 50 bands of all time. And then they mention a band that nobody but a, but a, a niche group listens to. And you're like, yeah, I've never heard of the Raging Daisies. Why are they on your list? But the Raging Daisies are on there because they had one single that got played a lot on college radio and it was respectable. Rolling Stone people are from a different planet. Anyway, you can call in. Max, uh, guest three, who is sandbagging if they're on at all anymore. Uh, anybody can call in before I move on to my next topic if they want to put in their 10 cents about, you know, the collective rape by the record industry of the American people's ears. And uh, let me see if I can pull that number up real quick. It's going to have to be clever. The number is 724-444-7444. And then when you get Silicone Sally on, she's going to be like, hey, how's it going, big boy? Actually, she just sounds very robotic, and she asks for the call ID. And that is 137541. And um, you can subscribe to the uh, podcast feed. Uh, it opens up in iTunes. The text alert thing from Smash doesn't work anymore, which is why I say that I don't think TalkShoe supports even in the... I don't even think they're with us anymore. I think, I think they punched out. They've closed for the season. The web, website still, still functions, and there's an advertisement right on my screen saying, free training classes for new and prospective hosts, next day, blah, 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 blah. How about updating your damn website? And this website has looked the same way since, like, I think 2006. Time to upgrade. There's not even Flash on this website. It's just Java and, I don't know. It's terrible. So, um, we did have Max check in with a few facts. Tool is new music. System is new music. Max, I wonder what label they're on. See if he has an answer for that. I, I do, because it seems like once these bands have served their purpose, if they put out new music, it's always under some different label. He says, no clue. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be... I, I mean, I know uh, Pearl Jam is no longer on the commercial label. They had that whole... And I actually respect Pearl Jam, because they stuck at the Ticketmaster, which is like taking taking on the 80-ton the gorilla. But... Um, Anyway, that's that's my uh, rant on uh, the American music scene versus everywhere else. You have to check out Finnish Metal, and um, I will um, I will post a link to the the uh, not the Loudwire but the uh, About Entertainment, so you can check out the bands on that list. That is a pretty respectable list. Should have probably gone with About dot com for my American. But you know what are you going to do? I mean, some of these are put together by fans, and they don't know what they're doing. It's the top ten list of the crap that's currently on their iPod. God forbid it's a college kid who's being a poser right now. But <laughs> it's just it's one of those things. So um I want to give a plug for people living in Massachusetts. I need plugging material. Well pardon me. Um a spacious place. Wait a minute, let me get the uh, website up here for a spacious place. It's run by my friend Rebecca. And uh, it's uh, the website is a spaciousplace.net. Now, for my, my fans, my listeners, whatever you want to call yourselves, living in Massachusetts, especially uh, people in the college age range, you know, 
you get a room in college, or maybe you uh, you go to a boarding house, uh, not a boarding house. I don't know what do they call the places all the students live where you get one room. I know they got they got those on campus, but sometimes you can like get a. I know in Worcester, Massachusetts, you can get a uh, you can go you can like get an old like col- uh, not colonial Victorian that's been split up for students to live in, and it's got like a reduced rate, and they're getting handouts from the city or whatever. But um. Some people are really good at organizing, and some people not. Now, Rebecca Burley uh, did some work for me, because I was living in a rooming house um, for just under a year in Worcester, and I had the typical problem of I had a lot of crap and no place to put it, and my room looked like a tornado hit it. Now, a lot of people don't want help because they don't want people to think they're living in filth and squalor, when it's really just clutter. And clutter can be an issue. Well, Rebecca Burley, who you can contact at Rebecca at a spacious dot net, is able to take the biggest mess. And I would invite Rebecca to put pictures of my particular situation on her website. I didn't find them there. And she can take the biggest disaster on the planet and your budget, whatever it is you have allocated to maybe buy some shelving or uh, a closet or a portable closet, whatever. And she can make it livable. And that's what she did for my place. It was just stuff was everywhere. And when she was done, it was transformed. I didn't feel like I was just living in a room. It felt like almost a studio apartment. She did a phenomenal job. I highly recommend her service to you folks living in Massachusetts. I suppose for the right price, she might be willing to fly out to Florida. But you better be paying her plane ticket, and it better be worth it to you. (laughs) She could help you organize your mansion down in the Keys. I don't know. But I do know that for people in Massachusetts, she is in business. And she does a great job. You go to www.aspaciousplace.net. And her email is Rebecca at aspaciousplace.net. And you can contact her. She works out of Marlboro, Massachusetts. And she is really good at what she does. And she's very friendly. She's not judgmental. She's not going to walk into your house and see crap everywhere and go, I have to leave because I haven't had my tetanus shot. No, she does a great job. And I highly recommend it. Because I did it, it was worth every nickel that I spent, which was nothing because she's a friend and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But she's not going to give that deal to everybody. <laughs> so, um, But it does give me the opportunity to pay her back and plug her on the radio show and let you know that A Spacious Place does a great job at organizing your space. A Spacious Place, discovering space you never knew you had. Boy, I can attest to that, folks. All right. Moving onward and upward. A subject... And uh, we just want to acknowledge some people that have ch- uh, checked in. Brian is in the the uh, chat room. He's guest number four. And uh, he's, um, it's me, Brian. I'm a guest. You're always a guest, Brian. Say hi to John for me and Duchess and uh, uh, Rascal. And I'm going to let the audience try to figure out <laughs> if those are people <laughs> or, uh, or, or animals or what. <laughs> he says, hi, John. It is time to pay tribute to the late, great Terry Pratchett. Um, For some of you, this is, uh, who's Terry Pratchett? Now, if you're somebody that likes to read fantasy, and uh, you're a basement-dwelling geek like myself, who happens to do most of his geek stuff from the third floor of the house, either way, um, you collect fantasy novels, you've read Harry Potter, and then you decided, hey, I want more of this, and you moved up to Lord of the Rings, and then you said, hey... uh, What's something else I can read? Maybe you got into R.A. Salvatore. Terry Pratchett 
is to R.A. Salvatore what The Onion is to The New York Times. And he wrote a large series of books. I, I got to stop everything. I'm sorry. Got to say hi to Terry in Worcester. All right. Is there anybody I missed? Uh, hello to the uh, guinea rats or whatever it is, gerbils that you guys have there in Worcester. Keepers. All right. So Terry Pratchett um, has put out uh, a series of books. He reinvented the wheel. He uh, put out a series of books that were satirical in nature to the fantasy genre called Dis- The Discworld. And I have several here. I have more than this. Pardon, I have more than this. But um, these are the ones I could find since the Great Flood. Something happened. I, I've, I don't know if I'm confusing plots from Supernatural with real life, but I think somebody in my neighborhood got a part of the staff of Moses, and uh, there was a flood in my basement. And so we had to rescue all of our books off the bookshelf and stick them anywhere that was waterproof. And I have several of these books. I've been going to Half Price Books, um, give them a free plug in Castleton, Indiana. And, um, well, anyway, here's what I got. And there's more than this, and probably the most famous character that Terry Pratchett came out with was Rincewind the Wizard. Rincewind is a very, I don't know, skipping through life with his shoelaces untied, clumsy kind of character. Um, there was actually a video game called Discworld put out for the PlayStation back during the late 90s, early 2000s, um, the original PlayStation machine, and it, it was well done. Now, if you want a copy of it, it's like considered rare and $400. Anyway, Terry Pratchett recently passed away. And um, he was 66 years old. And uh, let me just read the obituary. It is with immeasurable sadness that we announce that author Sir Terry Pratchett has died at the age of 66. Larry Finley, MD at Transworld Publishers, had this to say. I was deeply saddened to learn that Sir Terry Pratchett has died. The world has lost one of its brightest, sharpest minds. In over 70 books, Terry enriched the planet like few before him. As all who read him know, Discworld was his vehicle to satirize this world. He did so brilliantly with great skill, enormous humor, and constant invention. Terry faced his Alzheimer's disease, and embuggerance, as he called it, publicly and bravely. Over the past few years, it was his writing that sustained him. His legacy will endure for decades to come. My sympathies go out to Terry's wife, Lynn, their daughter, Rihanna, to his friend, Rob, and all closest to him. That was Larry Finley. Terry passed away in his home. With his cat, John will like that, sleeping on his bed, John, uh, Brian's John, not John, uh, yeah. Uh, Terry passed away in his home with his cat sleeping on his bed, surrounded by his family on 12 March 2015. Diagnosed PCA in 2007, he battled the progressive disease with his trademark determination and creativity and continued to write. He completed his last book, a new Discworld novel, in the summer of 2014, before succumbing to the final stages of the disease. And they've asked that family are left undisturbed at this distressing time. 2014, in the midst of the throes, probably the worst throes of Alzheimer's, he still penned another Discworld book. That is how you face Alzheimer's. And I speak from personal experience. 
no, I don't have Alzheimer's. And I know that's the first thing out of either Brian or John's mouth. I don't have Alzheimer's, though it might appear to at some point. Um, it's just me being, you know, absent-minded. It has nothing to do with Alzheimer's. But my, uh, I guess I would call her my grandmother-in-law, is currently in a nursing home in Greenfield, Indiana, with Alzheimer's. She currently thinks it's somewhere around the late 50s, early 60s. Um, she constantly sees dead people. She can't. Sometimes she thinks she's at the mechanic. Other times she thinks she's trying to punch out from work. As comical as that can seem, even to the family that's discussing it, there's a measure of, it's really sad. And we're talking about a guy who influenced the world of fantasy writing. And um, this program, along with one of my newsletters, which is High Velocity Magazine, put in a request. And um, I would, uh, if, if you're for this, uh, listeners like Ben, who's a big Terry Pratchett fan, and others, I would highly suggest you send a message to the publisher, not the company that we've requested this from that I'm about to you know, talk about, but the publisher, which is Random, a Penguin Random House. We have put in a request asking Graphic Audio, which is probably the best audiobook company in the world, to release the Discworld series as book on uh, book on CD. Now, some of you might say, well, that's cool. I mean, book on CD is good for some people. You have to understand, graphic audio is um, dramatized with a full acting staff, sound effects, and epic soundtrack book on, book on audio. They've done R.A. Salvatore. They've done uh, R.A. Johnstone. They've done a number of fantasy artists as well as uh, Western artists. They've even done... Um, Oh, I can't think of his name, but he's a famous, um, a famous Western writer. I can't think of his name now. Man, and I have books by him. Boy, that's sad. I swear I don't have Alzheimer's. Just a mind like a sieve. But um, anyway, we put in a request, and they said they've tried before, but for whatever reason, Random House wasn't all over it. Well, we need to get all over Random House today. Go to the, uh, I'll try to find in the next few minutes, the Random House official website. And uh, let's, put this, let's put the pressure on him. Terry Pratchett needs to be memorialized. His, his masterwork needs to be memorialized in a way that I believe fits it. And shy of an epic movie put out by Hollywood, who can't seem to string two tin cans together to put out a movie anybody wants to freaking see, I think Graphic Audio would do a phenomenal job. They've got a great house of actors, great production staff. And um, they could uh, really do the series a lot of justice um, and really kind of bring his idea to a place that is just, it would be awesome to have. I personally, I would own every CD. I, I would. Anyway, the website for Penguin Random House, and you'll have to go around and figure out how to contact them, is global.penguinrandomhouse.com. Tell them you want to see them release the rights to Graphic Audio to do the entire Discworld series. They are all over it. They want to do it. And uh, go to graphicaudio.com to hear what they're all about. They've got samples there, and you can hear for yourself what they're able to do for an audiobook. It's one thing to listen to somebody with a British accent, and now the entire works of the great Charles Dickens, read by Sir Edmund Bloodsworth, to hear an entire acting staff actually act out A Tale of Two Cities. 
It's very, very different. Some audiobooks I can't listen to because if they choose the wrong narrator, it's like listening to paint dry. No, not watching, listening. <laughs> and I've got a couple of those. Anyway, for the, uh, for the morbidly curious, here's what I got for my Discworld collection. Like I said, I've got probably ten books. I was only able to locate... What's four plus two, anybody? Six? Right. So this is what I got. The Color of Magic, which is uh, from the Discworld series. Terry Pratchett um, did a, uh, a second book of the Gnomes. So he did a book of the Gnomes, and this is book two called Diggers. Then we've got The Light Fantastic. Um, BT, an electronic artist, did a song called Tripping the Light Fantastic, and I wonder if he's a Discworld fan. Um, some of these I haven't read. Verse 3, I haven't read. Lords and Ladies. This is a book I've actually read. It's a great story about fairies and uh, Granny Og and, and so forth. They're all in the, in, in the book, and they're very, very funny characters uh, that you can really kind of relate to and, and, and fall in love with. Terry Pratchett, Interesting Times. This, uh, this, this book is described as when a carrier albatross arrives with an urgent request for a great wizard, Rincewind finds himself summoned to the endangered empire of Hong, Sung, Fang, Tang, and McSweeney, where a new emperor is about to be chosen. See what I mean? How are you not wanting to read this series now? Accompanying Rincewind is Cohen the Barbarian. Cohen the Barbarian. As well as an ant farm-powered computer named Hex, a practical weather-making butterfly with Mandelbrot wings, and a ferocious, if slow-moving, army of six-fold men, the Silver Horde. Their mission is to either defend or destroy the forbidden city of Hung Hung. The problem is, the instructions are not entirely clear. How are you not wanting to get that book now? I got I to gotta call up chat. Does anybody... <laughs> I guessed four. Which would be Brian. That would be uh, checking in. And uh, Max's mom has checked in. Hello. She is in here as guest six. Boy, uh, we got loaded up. Thank you very much. <clears throat> and I'm being asked uh, for a link. So give me one moment. I'm going to post that in the chat room. Um, I should read the descriptions in all these books just because it would be hysterical. So I'm going to post a link to Global Penguin Random House in chat, and I will also post it via Wildside so we can pressure. We need to have these put on series. They're making a huge mistake. There you go, folks. The link is in the chat room. Terry Pratchett, Sorcery. When last seen, the singularly inept wizard Rincewind had fallen off the edge of the world. Discworld is flat, by the way. Now, magically, he's turned up again, and this time he's brought the luggage. But that's not all. Once upon a time, there was an eighth son of an eighth son who was, of course, a wizard. As if that wasn't complicated enough, said wizard then had seven sons. And when he had an eighth son, a wizard squared, that's all the math, really, who, of course, was a source of magic. A sorcerer. So I, I, I'm kind of enjoying sharing these plots. Uh, let me read the plot for the la uh, Lords and Ladies, because um, this was a book I really enjoyed. Although they may be... Uh, okay, here we go. It's a dreamy midsummer's night in the kingdom of Lanker. Lanker. I'm not sure if it's Lanker or Lancer, but it's, it's L-A-N-C-R-E. But music and romance aren't the only things filling the air. Magic and mischief are afoot, threatening to spoil the royal wedding of King Varence and his favorite witch, Margaret Garlic. Yes, Garlic. Invaded by some fairy trash, soon it won't be the only it won't be only the champagne that's flowing through the streets. 
This one doesn't have as much of a fun description, but this was really a great uh, book. Granny Weatherwax. Um, uh, trying to look through the book and just grab some quick names. Um, here we go. We could do the stick and bucket dance. Nobody wants to do the stick and bucket dance, I remember. Um, Diamanda, who's a younger witch. Nanny Og, who has a cookbook. Yes, I own the cookbook. So, uh, the uh, Terry Pratchett Interesting Times is the one that I read about Hong, Hong Song, Fang, Tang, McSweeney. And then we've got uh, The Color of Magic. And The Color of Magic... And it doesn't really say much, just says the color of magic is Terry Pratchett's maiden voyage through the now legendary land of Discworld. This is where it all begins with the tourist two flower and his wizard guide, Rincewind. So apparently I managed to get myself the what seems to be described as the first book in the series. Again, Uncle Briny wants me to read the book. <laughs> I don't think I could do them justice. Honestly. They are great books, but I'm so bad at reading with fluidity. You know how many takes it would take? What is it, is that what we, that's what we want now. Start an account on TalkShoe and just read to us as we go to bed. <laughs> we want a bedtime story, bed, a bedtime story with milk and cookies. That's a great idea. I should do that. That will horrify everybody. <laughs> I'm not tucking John in. Forget it. <laughs> Uh, the only plot I didn't read was for um, uh, the, the second book of gnomes. So let me read that real quick. A bright new dawn is just around the corner for thousands of tiny gnomes. By the way, gnomes spelt without a G. N-O-M-E-S. When they move into the ruined buildings of an abandoned quarry. Or is it? Soon, strange things begin to happen, like the tops of puddles growing hard and cold, and the water coming down from the sky in frozen bits. Then humans appear, and they really mess everything up. Boy, does that sound familiar. The quarry is to be reopened, and the gnomes must fight to defend their new home. But how long will they be able to keep the humans at bay, even with the help of the monster Jacob? Um, and the uh, trilogy of these books is called the Bromliad. So those are the books I have. And I'm going to have to get to reading a few of them, because now that he's passed, I, uh, of course, have a, a re-energized interest in the late, great Terry Pratchett. Anyway, I'm going to post these links on uh, VinceWild.com, and um, we, can, uh, we can all remember Terry Pratchett together. Brian wants to know how he came up with these names. It seems, uh, it seems that uh, the, the overall assessment is his sharp mind. Honestly, I know in America, when we hear things like um, the Wiggles, you know, these are things that, that where they come up with these names, the Wiggles, the Teletubbies, we automatically assume it's a really bad acid trip or the use of some other class A substance. But Terry Pratchett has always been attributed to being just having a, an incredibly sharp mind and a great wit. And um, it's just great. Um, we've got only a few more minutes left in the show. So I want to invite open up the phone lines if anybody wants to call in and ask a question about Discworld. I'm not an expert, but I can try to uh, figure stuff out. But the number is 724-444-7444. And then, uh, you know, when Silicon Sally comes on and asks, the call ID is 137541. 
Terry Pratchett is no longer with us. It's a sad day in the world of fantasy. Um, Brian says, I'm surprised Alzheimer's affected him. It didn't affect him enough to stop him from writing his final book. The last Twitter post, and this is probably how I'll wind this up, drew a tear to my eye. Um, because it was just... I'm going to go somewhere else for this. Here we go. The last uh, Twitter post for Terry Pratchett was... There were a few, there were a few and um, just the perfect way to, uh, to close the legacy. The last Twitter posts were made on March 12th. And uh, they read as follows. If Twitter doesn't stall my computer. March 12th, first post. At last, Sir Terry, we must walk together. Second one, Terry took Death's arm and followed him through the doors and on to the black desert under the endless night. Then they posted his obituary and the very last post posted on Terry Pratchett's account, the end. You know, I remember um, I remember when Mel Blanc died, a poster coming out. He was the voice behind the Looney Tunes characters, or a lot of them. The poster had all the characters that he did voices for, and a microphone sitting, like, on a stage. And all of the Looney Tunes characters have their head bowed, and it said, uh, the voice silenced. And all I can think of is, this is kind of how it is for the world of fantasy. Not not everybody reads fantasy. Not everybody is uh, on the fantasy page. But um, this is an author that I think, even if you're not into fantasy, because he satired the real world through his fantasy, everybody would enjoy his books. I'd like to see a lot, especially since his family is now, you know, sort of dealing with the loss and um, is, is saddened by, you know, losing him. I, I kind of understand both places where they could be right now because Alzheimer's, you just watch the person's mental faculties just go down the drain. And part of you doesn't want them to go, but part of you says this has to end at some point. And um, this guy was a fighter. There's just no two ways about it. The fact that he, in the at the uh, top of his Alzheimer's affecting him, he still managed to put out another book. He finished it in 2014. It doesn't say it was published. It says a lot about his resilience and his will to fight to the very end. And uh, I just want to encourage people to get his works, get them used, get them new. And please put out, uh, put out a call, put out an email. Tell Penguin Random House that this, this is one author out of the millions that they could probably do. This is one that deserves to be immortalized on graphic audio. I'd love to see Hollywood do Discworld. Harry Potter style. Who in the chat room doesn't think that the same directors of Harry Potter could do Discworld based on what I've just described? I know a lot of you haven't read. And do the same great epic presentation with a comic twist. I'm pretty sure that anybody that's seen the Harry Potter series knows that that movie was not small budget, and uh, they didn't just kind of throw something together and hope it worked. And Max Evans checks in and says, that would be epic. It would. 
And I'd like to see, and uh, Brian says that would be amazing. There are ideas here. I, I, like I said, Hollywood is closed for the season. I don't even know what they're doing anymore. They seem to just be throwing darts at a board and hoping something sticks. Or and I, I'd prefer it this way. They seem to be throwing spaghetti at a wall and hoping it sticks. The sad part is, or maybe not the sad part, is it's not. It is, on a side note, opening up independent film companies the opportunity for them to put out a, a movie that gains attention. I think anybody that's seen God is Not Dead, Heaven is Real, or uh, Facing the Giants knows that the absence of Hollywood's creative edge is opening a door for other people to put out movies that may not have the A-list actors and may not have the, the, uh, the, the, the special sci-fi effects, but they're putting out a quality picture anyway. And the people are going to see them. And I think that maybe, uh, you know, this would be something that could save Hollywood. Of course, it would probably be a British film company like with Harry Potter. But hey, you know, whatever. Let's get something done. But let's start with, let's start, let's start with Baby Steps. Graphicaudio.com. I, I really um, encourage you to go to that website and check it out and really... Uh, listen to their samples. They have samples on that website of stuff that they've put together. It's unbelievable. I will warn you. Now, the place to get graphic audio titles is any truck stop. I will. You can also buy them online and so forth. I will warn you. It's a gateway drug, man. It's seriously a gateway drug. You buy your first graphic audio novel, and the next thing you know, you're meeting Speedball in the street corner to buy the next three editions. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome, too. I've got a couple that I love. I'm getting into R.L. Uh, Johnstone because, it, wow, the guy can spin a yarn and they can really translate it onto a, a dramatized uh, situation, and that's great. So that's going to be the show for the day. I've got somebody knocking on my front door. I don't know who. So I am going to have to cut it off. But I hope that you will uh, you will be with us next time. I don't know when that's going to be because I drive a truck for a living. And uh, we are going to uh, we're going to do this show some more. The wild side is the new thing. I'm just avoiding the politi- politics talk because I think everybody can agree. It divides and nobody can agree, and it's a load of bullocks anyway. So that's all for today's show. We hope that everything is going to be good for you. You have a great weekend, a blessed weekend, and remember, uh, VinceWild.com. That is your. Exactly, says Max 7. Vince Wild, that's his trademark. VinceWild.com is the official website. You can email VinceWildShow at gmail.com. You guys all take care of yourself. This is The Wild Side on TalkShoe.com.